letters to leaders. And the whole point of it is that uh, Paul wrote uh, the majority of the New Testament. We call them books, but they're really letters. They're letters from Paul to leaders, either leaders of churches or to the leaders he, he identifies. Uh, someone like Timothy, First and Second Timothy, he wrote. Titus, he writes a, a letter to. Uh, he writes these letters to leaders, uh, helping them develop as leaders. And then others that he writes are written to churches. And as a whole, he's teaching the leaders of that church. So it's so important that you understand this, that he, if, if, if God kept these uh, books, these letters for us to read, and it's two-thirds of the New Testament, are letters to leaders, then he probably thinks it's pretty important that we get in on this, right? And, and here, here's the bottom line, and if you don't get anything else out of this series, you need to understand this, you are a leader. Leadership is influence. We talked about that last week. John Maxwell defined it the best, is that leadership is influence, and so uh, we, we, uh, we are, if you have influence, you're a leader. You're a leader. And we, so we have to learn how to be the best leaders that we can be. And Paul, Paul writes this, uh, actually in, in, um, in Hebrews, uh, we, we don't know the author of Hebrews, but in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, he says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So we're supposed to follow their example, listen, see how they live their lives and follow them. First Corinthians, Paul says the same thing. He, he gets very specific. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So as he follows Christ, we're supposed to follow him. So as we walk through this, this, these letters to leaders, we're going to be looking at what does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean? How do we develop ourselves as, as leaders? And, and so today we're going to jump, jump in into a, a, a new uh, person that was in Paul's life. Last week we spent the majority of the time talking about Ananias. So let me, let me grab everybody, get you caught up. Uh, we, we're, we looked at, we're looking at Paul. His also, or Saul, his, his name is Saul and Paul. He did not have a name change. That, you have to listen to last week's message to, to get, grab that. I don't have time to get in on that, but he, his name is Saul and Paul. It's used interchangeably. Uh, Saul is how he is uh, known to the Hebrews. Paul is how he was known to the, to the Gentiles. So it depends on who he's talking to or who's talking to him, how they refer to him. So he has an experience, though, on the road to Damascus where he has a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that he is the Messiah that they've been waiting on, and it changes his life. And he, in that, God sends to him a man named Ananias. And we spent last week talking about Ananias. But the next person that we meet, right after that, and if you, as you go chronologically through the book of Acts, is a man named Barabbas. Barnabas. Barabbas is another dude that we don't want to talk about. Uh, Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas is the guy that we meet. Uh, Barnabas is the uh, guy that we, we meet, and we were introduced to him. And he has... Um, he has a great, well, before we introduce to him at, at this place, we're, he's introduced to us by, by the author of Acts, who is Luke. And again, I spend a lot of time laying foundation because it, it is so important. Uh, you, you guys are, are like, you're the devout. You, you are here. You are ready to learn. You, you're diving in. You're like, it's Memorial Day weekend. I want to learn. So I, I'm, I'm laying foundation so that you can grow from this. And, and please, don't ever make Sunday morning your sole source of the Word of God. Don't just trust me because I got a pastor in front of my name. Okay? 
I, I, we, we have done this for generations. That, oh, he's the pastor. But don't just take it because the pastor said it. I, I give you those scriptures all in your notes so that you can go back and, and dig in. This is where you start, okay? This is just introduction. But I'm laying this so that you can keep moving forward and digging into the word of God. So Acts chapter 4 is actually... Uh, I, I, well, let me go to Acts chapter 11 because Luke describes Barnabas. He describes him this way. In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, he says... Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Now, here's rabbit trail that I, I shouldn't take, but I'm going to take because it's, it's pretty powerful. Here's what you had to grab. Barnabas is described by Luke. So Luke's writing, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and now he's writing the book of Acts. And he's describing Barnabas. And he describes him as a good man... Full of the Holy Spirit, strong of faith. Now, how do you become a good man? Because that's, that's something I think, good man, good woman. How do we become that? Well, he describes it in that, in that same setting. He says you have to be strong in faith. So you have to have your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you have your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are full of his spirit. And when you're full of his spirit, then you are a good man. See, we try to, we try to flip this. We try to be good so that I can be full of the Holy Spirit and then have faith. And it doesn't work that way. You are who you are in Christ. You become a good man as a result. Don't try to come to God good. You can't. So, so he says, Barnabas was a good man, and this is how Luke describes him. Our first introduction, one of those things that when, when you're studying scripture, it's, uh, the, the scripture is first mentioned. Anytime you see in scripture, it's first mentioned. So if you see a name, Go back to the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, and it gives you context for the rest of it. Anytime there's a topic, if you want to go get into, the, into a topic that you're studying, go to the first time that that topic is mentioned. It's the, it's the principle of the first mention. So let's go back to the first time we meet Barnabas. And Barnabas is given to us in Acts chapter 4. Here it is. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, it's important, Luke is, Luke really likes Barnabas. So as Luke is writing, you need to understand that Luke has a, 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 a he's very fond of Barnabas throughout his writings. And you'll see in a minute, he has a chance to kind of throw Barnabas under the bus, but he chooses not to. But here we see this introduction in Acts chapter 4 is in, in, the, in the context here. So when we're studying scripture, what's important? What's the second most important thing? Third. There we are. Where church is built on the biblical context. So in this context, the Holy Spirit has been poured out in Acts chapter 2. Then as things begin to progress and the church is growing rapidly, there's some needs that arise. And this is, this is something that we need to understand. When the church is growing, the need grows. And we can only grow at the level of our involvement and resource. So as we grow, we need to understand that we are a growing church. So that not only are we growing numerically, but so is the need. And so this is happening at the same place in Acts that the, the need is growing as, at the same time the numbers are rising. They have the, some people, Luke gives us, it says, they began to sell all that they had. And gave, he gives the example of Barnabas. Barnabas sold everything he owned and gave it to the church so that the widows could be taken care of. This is a good, this is a good dude. In fact, this is the only time we get his real name, Joseph. From here on out, the Bible only refers to him as his nickname, Barnabas. 
Now, how cool would it to be have the nickname Encourager? That's a cool nickname. Like, when people look at you, they're like, man, that's an encourager. I, I, I would really like this. I'm, I'm really struggling with this. You know, like, what, I would really like, you know, I'm trying to work my, my legacy, my, you know, trying to, because right now, it's kind of like jerk Josh is, is where I'm sitting. And I keep, I keep finding myself in that position, but I, I, I got company with Paul, so we'll get that in a minute. But, man, I keep, like, I would like to have the nickname, like, he's just, He's kind Josh. He's gentle Josh. Or even just PJ McDizzle would be great. But uh, I'm, I'm working that. Come on. <laughs> uh, but, the, all the, but I keep getting back to this nick, nick, nickname, Jerk Josh. And I found myself yesterday again. I, we got a doubleheader yesterday. Baseball. Little kids. You know, little league. And uh, I, 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 I am like the third in line of coaches. Like, like fourth line. I, like, so the other two coaches couldn't be there. So I find myself... And, and the, like, the kids coming to me and saying, Coach Josh. And I, I'm like, I don't want to be coach. I don't. But here I am. I, I'm getting the kids coming to me. And so in, in Little League, you have this rule that you have to play two innings and bat once. I hate it. Like, if you can't hit, you don't get the bat, okay? Just get being a better batter. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Okay. So th- there, there's my jerk Josh coming out of me. So this, this one, of our, one of the kids that is not very good at, at batting or taking the bat off his stinking shoulders I, I, no emotional here okay <laughs> he he gets up the bat and he watched three straight strikes right down the middle then this he comes over <clears throat> to the other coach who has much more compassion than me and says i'd like to bat again I'm like, nah, you already batted. You're done. <laughs> like, you looked at three strikes. And he's like, oh, the coach is like, no, nah, okay, we'll see what we can do. I'm like, so I'm like, hey, he just looked at three strikes. He's like, well, I got a heart. I'm like, I don't. I don't. Okay. <laughs> We're trying to win a ball game here, okay? And so he's like, oh, so the other coach, who's much kinder, goes to our church, loves Jesus more than I do. He says to the kid, hey, we'll get you back in, okay? And I walked over to the kid and go, hey, don't look at three strikes. Uh, <laughs> jerk Josh. It's just, okay. <laughs> so I relate. I relate. So I don't, I have trouble relating with Barnabas because he's the son of encouragement. He's, Okay. So here he is. He's described as the encourager. Now, as you walk through uh, uh, the Acts, you get introduced to Saul. Saul experiences Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has this experience with him. And then he leaves and he has some time where there's some blank spot in Paul's life where he goes and he, he gets his thoughts right. And then uh, he wants to join the disciples. And he's, he's been preaching about Jesus. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 9. Uh, verse 26, it says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. <laughs> they did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Here, so, like, put yourself in, 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 the, in, the, in the picture with the disciples. Here comes the guy that has literally participated in some of your friends' death and their imprisonment. And he comes knocking on your door. Hey, I've, I, I've, I've changed my mind. I want to join you guys. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> I, I ain't playing that game. He's, he's just messed with. He's going to join the group, and then he's going to... What I would have done has been like, 
so-and-so down the street, I think they're Christians. Go join, join them. Go join their small group. <laughs> their connect group's much better than mine. Join theirs. <laughs> it's wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, so he says, they're like, no, 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 we're not, we're not playing this game. And then it says, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So we have this, this uh, Barnabas acting as an encourager once again, where he is doing what he's what he knows to do. He's just encouraging. He steps up and comes along Saul and says, hey guys, listen, he's legit. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have, if he messes up, I'll take the blame. He comes along Saul, uh, Saul and encourages him and sets this, this whole process uh, of, of Saul becoming the, the man who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And, and it's, it's crazy because not only does Barnabas invest in, in Saul and, what, and how Paul writes to the, to the New Testament church and all that he does, he also later will be introduced to the fact that he also came alongside Mark when Paul tried to get rid of him. Like, I don't want anything to do with him. He comes alongside Mark. Mark, the one who wrote the gospel. Look at this. I sh- let me show you this. This is a graphic of, of, of the New Testament books in the Bible and those that Barnabas had a direct influence on. So Mark, he came alongside, later would write the Gospel of Mark, which many believe is the uh, one that was the uh, foundation for Matthew and Luke to pull from. And then all of the letters written in the New Testament. Barnabas is an influencer. He is a leader. He's a leader maker. This this is, he's a powerful guy. One extra thing, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews that we just read from, Many scholars believe that Barnabas was the one who wrote Hebrews because there's an ongoing parallel with the phrases that Paul uses found in Hebrews. And also, he would have been a, had to have been a Jew who learned and had a revelation of the Messiah of Jesus Christ. So, many believe. Now, we don't know for sure who the author of Hebrews is, but many scholars, many believe all the way back uh, to, to the first century believe that Barnabas wrote Hebrews. He is a leader of leaders, and he's a leader maker. So, they go, they, uh, so Paul and Barnabas team up. At this point, once uh, Barnabas comes alongside him, they, they begin to team up. And in Acts 11, uh, Barnabas is actually sent to Antioch. So the, the, remember, Paul begins to persecute all the Christians, the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. Stephen dies, and they all scatter. Many of them, 400 miles away, they find them in Antioch. But all the time, they're only talking to Jews. But somehow in Antioch, 400 miles away, a group of Gentiles begin to follow Jesus. News gets back to Jerusalem headquarters, and they're like, wait a minute, can, can Gentiles do this too? And so who do they send? They send Barnabas. Now, why do you think they would have picked Barnabas? Now, this is conjecture. But I think they looked at the round of the group of people, and they're like, okay, we've got a, got a bunch of people here. No, 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 you can't send Josh. He's a jerk. He'll tell them they're going to hell. Uh, you can't send. <laughs> and they get down, and they're like, wait a minute. Remember when Barnabas stood up for Saul, the outsider, that we weren't going to let in our group until Barnabas stood in? Maybe we should send him to go talk to these outsiders. So he goes to Antioch. He shows up at Antioch, and what does he do? 
He encourages them. He tells them, man, you guys are doing good. Keep growing. Stand fast in your faith in Jesus Christ. And then he leaves Antioch and goes to Tarsus and gets Paul. And says, Paul, we got some work to do. And they go back to Antioch. They spend a year in Antioch where, they are, where the Christian term is first used. You know why they called them Christians? Because they wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And so it was actually a derogatory term. They're, they're, all they do is talk about Jesus. Now, here, here's, here's where we kind of have a, a, a misnomer of what it means about, like, Paul and leadership. Is we think, well, he, was, he had, a, had church service and people would come and listen to him talk. No. We'll find out later that both Paul and Barnabas were not paid for their ministry. They both had jobs. So where were they always talking about Jesus? It wasn't on a platform. Oh, got to get them to church. If we just get them to church, then they'll hear about it. No, the greatest leaders and the greatest influencers was when he was working as a tent maker and people would have to come into his work and he wouldn't shut up about Jesus there. See, if you want to be a leader, an influencer, it's not about getting people to show up here. It's about going out there and doing it. We do a really good job of showing up, listening, talking about it, but now it's time to go do it. So here's... So, so we, we move from this position of, of, of understanding Barnabas and Paul working in Antioch, not in a church service, but every day they were talking about Jesus. They were being like Jesus, and they were treating people like Jesus would treat them. And the church begins to grow. Well, things begin to happen, and uh, they, they, uh, uh, Jerusalem is having a famine. So uh, they take up an offering in Antioch, and they take that offering to Jerusalem. And, of course, who's, who's going to take that offering? Barnabas and Saul take it to Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem, and they, they start the, the, this, uh, they, they minister to the, those, the, the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. And then they begin their first mission trip. Now, how many of you have been on a mission trip? Y'all been on pansy, weak, sissified mission trips, Okay. I, 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 the mission trip, I, like, they're, they're nice. They're, they're sweet. They're nice. They're, they're, we get our hands dirty. But these boys went on a missions trip. And it was, it was funny because you read in Acts chapter 12, this group of people that go on this trip are going on a trip that's, like, legit. And they get the, all their buddies together. So there's Saul, who was once the persecutor of, of the followers of Jesus. Then there's another guy who is Herod Agrippa's uh, uh, classmate is there in the group. Uh, then there's Barnabas, who is the, the encourager. And then there, uh, the, uh, there's another guy, they, they, his name is uh, Cyrene, and I forget how, they, how you pronounce his name, but his nickname is the Black Man. That's the, the, in the Bible, Acts chapter 12, I'm not being racist. That's how they called him. It's, I don't know what that means, but that's, he's that man. So this group of unique individuals is all going together. And you can imagine them walking down the street, and they're going, and they're teaching, and they're proclaiming jesus and they're starting churches all over the place in acts chapter 13 paul and barnabas are in um they're in cyprus and as they're in cyprus there's there's a transition here that takes place so they're they're talking uh to the governor of cyprus and they're saying you need to follow jesus and then a sorcerer comes in and says and tries to deceive the governor and, and, and then there's a situation, and I think you can kind of imagine how it played out. There's Barnabas being like, now, sir, listen, I want to encourage you not to speak that way of Jesus, okay? You don't want to deceive him. Just uh, And then Paul, Paul goes, hey, sorcerer, shut your mouth. You're speaking evil. You're going blind right now. 
I, see, that's where I relate with Paul. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. You're going to go against me? You're going blind. <laughs> and he goes blind that moment. And, there, and th- from that moment on, there's a transition in how Luke describes this, this duo of Paul and Barnabas. Up to this point, it's always been Barnabas and Paul. But after this moment where Paul steps up into a leadership position, every time forward, it's Paul and Barnabas. See, Barnabas has been leading and been the the one taking the charge. Then he steps back and goes, Paul, you got this. Go ahead, man. In Acts chapter, uh, uh, so anyways, long story short, they get ran out of uh, of Cyprus. Um, They go to uh, um, Lystra. So they're in, in Acts chapter 14, uh, they go to Iconium, and then they go to Lystra, they get ran, ran out of uh, Iconium, they go to Lystra, and there's a man who's crippled, <laughs> and Paul goes up and heals him. So the people think Paul and Barnabas are Greek gods, and they begin to worship them. And they're like, you gods, and they're bringing them sacrifices, and they're worshiping them, and they're like, no, 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 this isn't how you do it. So the people go, if we can't worship you, we're going to stone you. So they take Paul out of the city, they stone him outside the city, leave him for dead, and it says that the Christians came around, the followers of Jesus came around him and said, oh my, and Paul gets up from being stoned. Many of you know what that means, to get up from being stoned, but we'll talk about that in another message. But he was physically beat with stones. He gets up. You can still be saved. We love you. He gets up from being left for dead and walks back into the same city. I love it, dude. And so he, they end up leaving that city. They go and uh, continue to do their missions trips. And, and in Acts chapter 15, there's, uh, I wish I had more time because he goes, they have the Jerusalem Council, which is a powerful moment. And where the, the, the Jews sit down and they go, what are we going to do about all these Gentiles following Jesus? And they said, well, here's, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to love them. We're going to help them not get distracted by the things of this world, but we're not going to tell them that they need to be Jews. It's this moment which changes history. But then Paul goes to Barnabas and says, hey, hey, let's go back and visit all the places we've been. And it's Acts chapter 15. says that after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. That's Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them and Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Now, we don't know quite what happened, but we know Mark left. He deserted them, and he went back home. He, he said he was done with this whole getting chased out of cities and getting his life online. So he goes back to mommy, and Paul's like, got issues with it. I like Paul. Um, and so it says that he, they disagreed about it. Uh, go to that next verse there. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him with, to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicily, strengthening the churches there. And at this point, Barnabas leaves the history of Acts. We don't find him again in the book of Acts. And it's interesting that we have this, this guy who Luke describes as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and that he was strong in his faith, and then something happens where he just kind of disappears. 
And we have to look at the letters uh, from Paul to grab and get the whole story. But here's what I want you to understand first, is that as a leader, leaders disagree. So many times we think all the leaders have to be on the same page, and they all have to think the same way and do the same thing. But the truth is, leaders will have disagreements. Leaders will have disagreements. And you also have to understand this, that leaders will make mistakes. That's your second blank in your notes there, that leaders will disagree and leaders will make mistakes. See, we, we find out that later on in, in Galatians, uh, Paul, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and he's talking about Barnabas, and he says that in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, Peter, the one who preached on the day of Pentecost, Peter, the one that Jesus uh, said to him, I'm upon this church, I will build my, uh, upon this rock, I will build my church. He says, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. Not just sort of wrong, not bad, very wrong. He says, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So he, here's, here's what happened. They are in this moment where they are, you know, Peter is, is there and uh, they're, they're talking uh, to the Gentiles or having they're eating dinner with the Gentiles, but then some Jews showed up, and they're like, uh, the Jews who would have said, hey, it's not cool to hang out with them. You need to hang out with us. It's like high school. You know, you're at that table. You're talking to your buddies that you get along with. Everything's going smooth, and then the cool kids invite you to their table, and then you, I don't know what this is because I never got invited to the cool table, but... Uh, <laughs> But you're, you're there, and then you're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to go over here and hang out with these dudes. And, man, what a bunch of nerds over there. That, that is what took place. And, and Paul says it wasn't just rude. It was wrong. What he did and turned his back on the Gentiles. And here's where it gets interesting. It says, as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. You can see how Paul had a, a, how, an admiration for Barnabas because he's shocked that, that, would, that he would be caught up in that. Barnabas, you're the encourager. Bar Barnabas, what, what are you doing, man? But Paul stepped in and said, you're wrong. You're wrong in, for treating people this way. And leaders can be wrong. In this situation, Barnabas was wrong. But this is why it's so important that leaders need leaders leaders need leaders see when we began this story and looking at paul and barnabas paul needed barnabas he needed him to, to, to begin his ministry but in this situation barnabas needed paul and see this is so important that we understand this you are an influencer you are an influencer but you need influence if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to change rooms. If the only, only person who has a voice in your room is you, then you're not leading, you're manipulating. We have to allow people to speak into our lives. Leaders need to have leaders. And we need to listen when the leadership is saying something we don't like. 
it's, it's such an uncomfortable feeling. My, my daughter's going to love this story. Yesterday, I, I had my phone, and, I, and it needed to be charged. So I, I was like, hey, hey, Kaden, will you go run this over to the car and get it charged for me? And then that way I can use it later. And, and a little bit later, I went and got my phone, and it didn't, no charge. I'm like, Kaden, you serious? Why didn't you charge my phone? <laughs> Gave her a little what for, and da. And she was like, well, I, I plugged it in. I'm like, you must not have plugged it in right. Come on. What's wrong with you? It wasn't that bad, but it was, it was right there. And you know, looking at her like she, so I, she was like, well, I think you have to start the car. I'm like, no, you don't. You just plug it in and it will charge it. So I walked over and I'm like, so let me show you. Plugged it in. Nothing. Started the car. Started charging. Yeah, I did the whole, yeah, you're right. <laughs> See, that's a minor thing. Yes, she was right. I had to take a little piece of humble pie. But are we willing to do that in the bigger stuff? Are we willing to do that when, when someone confronts us and there's situations in our life where you know you shouldn't be in that area? You know you shouldn't be participating in those activities and somebody confronts you on it? Are you willing to listen? Because leaders need leaders. But here's the beautiful part about this, is that God uses weak leaders. God uses weak leaders. See, so many times we put these, these people in the Bible and we put them on a pedestal and we put leaders today, even today we, when we see, we, we put them on a platform and they're like, yeah, they, they, they got it all together, they got it all figured out and we put them in this position that they, they and I'll never get to that, but in fact, when you understand the word of God, he uses weak leaders. You find out as you read this, this the scripture, and, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he writes about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says it, about Barnabas, this is 20 years later, after their separation, 20 years later, he writes, and he says to the church in Corinth, is it only Barnabas and I that have to work to support ourselves? In other words, there's this bringing back 20 years later that Paul and Barnabas are back working together. See, what it's something to take a leader confronting you and saying you're doing something wrong. But it's another, another step to say, you're right, I was wrong, and bring it back together. It, it's pretty powerful because there's also, Paul had to eat a little humble pie too. Because in 1 Timothy, he writes to Timothy and says, hey, get Mark, the guy I sent home and didn't want anything to do with. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in my ministry. A little humble pie there. Here's the beautiful thing. There's disagreement among leaders. There's time where leadership is going to be wrong. Leaders need leaders because the ministry never stops. See, we, we think, we get this idea, well, I messed up. I did it wrong, and now I'm done. And God's going, no, 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 no. You're... I use weak leaders. We had, we had a gathering at, at my house last night. A bunch of little kids there, and we have a pool. I didn't grow up swimming. I still not a, I'm not a strong swimmer. I, 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 water, like when we go out on a lake, I, I'm, the, I'm the, the nerd with the life jacket on as I'm driving the boat. Like, that's me, okay? I, I am, I'm not big on, on water. It scares me. And as these kids are in the pool swimming, it reminded me a few years back, my anxiety level just went skyrocketing. Because about three years ago, we had 
another gathering. And I'm sitting by the pool, and you know how it is. Parents get talking, and they're distracted by each other. And all of a sudden, I'm watching this little girl, and she's just, just tall enough, bouncing just to keep her head above water. As she's bouncing, she gets to the point where the deep end goes. As she bounces, I see her. She doesn't come back up. I'm not a strong swimmer. But I had a choice in that moment. Would have done me any good to go, hey, little girl, this is how you need to swim. Hey, little girl, why did you leave your parents? Hey, little girl, didn't you know better you should have floaties on? None of that would have done any good. In my mind, I saw myself diving in like the lifeguard movies, you know, they dive in. That's how I had it in my mind. But in reality, I looked as goofy as all get out in my ugly jump, <clears throat> fully clothed, phone in my pocket, jumped in. And I grabbed the little girl because I could stand. See, I, I'm not a strong swimmer. And in that environment, I'm uncomfortable. But if all I do is wait to the moment I'm strong enough and I'm all equipped, somebody would have died. See, we, we do the same thing in this world when we, if we really believe what we say we believe, that there is a heaven and there's a God who's saving us from a hell, then why are we standing on the side going, ah, I'm just not real strong yet. I'm just, I'm just not really ready. No, you're not going to look pretty. And you know what? There's going to be times where you're going to fail. There's going to be times where the way you do ministry, other people are going to disagree with it. But will you just go? Will you just be the leader God's called you to be? Will you just jump in and start saving somebody's life? Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray over this church. I pray over every individual in here. I pray a blessing of leadership on us right now, Lord. You have called us to lead. And Lord, allow us to jump in. Lord, Lord allow us to, to go where we're uncomfortable, where we're fearful, where we're weak. And let us jump in and lead. Let us do it for your glory and to see you do great things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is an opportunity for you to take the first step of leadership. And that's to follow the greatest of leaders, Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? I, I'm in the water, and I need a Savior. And my Savior is Jesus Christ. I'm not going to make it doing it on my own. I, I need somebody to come and get me out of this mess. And Jesus Christ did that. When he came to this earth, he jumped into humanity, and he died on the cross so he could rescue you out. So today, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come up front. I'm not going to have you even raise your hand. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of commitment. And we're going to pray this prayer, not for me, not for your neighbor, but for you. If you need to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ, or begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity to do so. Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. Thank you for coming to this earth 
to save me. I give you my life. Rescue me. I will follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen.